Yeah, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, one 9646 is the number to get a hold of Sivan anytime. Help, email at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots to get through today. A ton of emails and questions. We'll talk about the injury calculator and a few other websites that you should be uh, aware of and checking out when you got some time. First, though, you get to uh, the week that was. I know we got a few cases uh, under your belt you want to talk about. Savannah, go ahead. All right, John. Well, it's been a very busy week. Let's start off with a case that uh, I attended on a mediation on. So one of my lawyers who does long-term disability asked me to come because uh, this individual came to us, uh, you know, th- through, through someone that we know. So, uh, you know, we thought it would be a good idea for me to be there. Uh, personal contact. And so we went. Now, this gentleman, I'm not going to give you too many details because we settled and uh, there are confidentiality clauses, but I can tell you that uh, the client, our client was very happy with the settlement. And what's interesting here is that he was cut off long-term disability about uh, five, six months ago. That's when we started the claim. And again, five months later, approximately, we've resolved the claim. So get this, Five, six months ago, he's told by his insurance company, you no longer deserve anything from us. We're cutting you off, uh, you know, zero payments for disability. And this week, when we resolved the claim, we resolved it for six figures. So that tells you a lot about what it is that James and I uh, keep saying about long-term disability denials and cutoffs. If you call us or email us, uh, with your questions about long-term disability, we can tell you within minutes of looking at certain documentation whether or not you have a case against the insurance company. Don't bother appealing. That gentleman did not appeal that decision. It was the right move. Had he appealed the denial or the cutoff of his long-term disability, he probably would have come to us five, six months later, i.e. now, right? So he would have had this delay. We would have had to start the claim now, this legal claim, and it would have been another five, six months before he would have seen a cent. So again, this was a successful result. Uh, and, and, you know, it just goes to show that everything that James and I keep saying here on the show about long-term disability is in fact correct, which is that if you are cut off or denied long-term disability, just give us a call or email us. We'll ask to see some uh, medical documentation, whatever you've sent the insurance company, the deny letter, if you have it. If you don't have it, just tell us what the insurance company told you. We'll ask you just a few basic questions and we'll tell you again for free within a few minutes whether or not you have a case. So there you go, John. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. What else do you got going on? So there's an interesting uh, case out of Ottawa, and this is uh, a, a um, lady that had contacted us again a few months back, and we had started the legal claim again. It's a long-term disability claim. Now the insurance company, their lawyer, had contacted us earlier uh, this month, and they proposed a settlement. And the settlement they proposed for her long-term disability claim is one of two options. They said either we can reinstate her or we can negotiate a lump sum payment. So let's break this down, John. This lady was cut off long-term disability. Again, that means that the insurance company said you do not deserve long-term disability for whatever reason. After we started the legal claim, you know, and got all our docs in order and made sure that the insurance company knew that we're, uh, you know, that we mean business and it's no longer in their hands. It's going to be in the hands of a judge if they don't comply. They had that claim assessed or looked at by their defense lawyer, uh, a lawyer who's hired by the insurance company, just yep. much you know, like I was when I started uh, practicing in this area of law. And that lawyer, I guess, looked at everything and said to them, most likely to the insurance company, to their client, uh, Sivan Steam is right. You should not have cut this person off. And so when mm-hmm. this lawyer came to us and said, look, we are willing to reinstate her, what that means is that they said that we are willing to pay her 
whatever long-term disability payments we did not pay her from the time that she was cut off up until now, and we will put her back on claim, meaning that we're going to start paying her long-term disability every month. That said, if she wants to negotiate with us some kind of a lump sum, meaning, you know, here's a big fat check for you, uh, but, you know, that means that in exchange for that money, you sign away your rights um, for, for long-term disability, meaning that we cut the umbilical cord, meaning you will no longer have a claim against us, you know, then we're willing to engage in that discussion too. And, and that's important to understand because in often, uh, in, in, in many cases like this, people will be faced with a choice whether or not uh, th- they will be reinstated, meaning that the insurance company will back off and put them back on claim and pay the monthly long-term disability or right. that they're going to have a lump sum settlement. And, you know, there's pros and cons to both. It's very case specific. We've got to look at the person's age, the nature of their disability, what is being offered as a lump sum, uh, whether or not uh, any of the payments are taxable or not. So again, I urge people out there who are facing that kind of a question to give me a call or to email me. And again, we can have that discussion, again, free of charge. Uh, and, and then you can make that decision as to whether or not you want to uh, you know, accept a lump sum settlement and cut the relationship with the insurance company, move on with your life, or if you want to uh, get reinstated. Either way, you have those options. Don't simply assume that if the insurance company cuts you off or denies your long-term disability, then you have no legal options because oftentimes you do. How long, the question is, I mean, we got a couple minutes before we take our first break, but how long would have this dragged on had she not contacted you guys? It, it would have been endless. It would have been endless. And, and you know, what's more concerning, and again, we talk about this often on the show, is that once they deny you long-term disability or they cut you off, yep. the clock, the limitation clock starts ticking. Remember, mm-hmm. in Ontario, you have, you have two years from the date you were cut off or denied long-term disability to start a legal claim. And it doesn't matter if you appeal that decision internally within the insurance company's uh, uh, mandate, uh, you know, three times, two times, five times, it doesn't matter. If you don't start a legal claim against the insurer within two years of the first denial, you are risking having your rights vis-a-vis the insurance company being extinguished. So, you know, don't wait. That's why I keep telling people, don't, don't do these appeals. These appeals rarely work. And they put you through the ringer, and by the time you're done with it, you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, what can Sivan and his team do that I haven't done? Well, what we can do that you haven't done is start a legal claim. Take that decision-making process outside of the insurance company's hands. That's how we bring them to the table. That's the point. That's how we create exposure on them. Remember, I mean, these insurance companies are not in the business of losing money. As soon as we start a legal claim, they are now bleeding money. They have to pay their lawyers to fight a claim. They don't want to do that. Remember, I'm also talking as someone who used to work for insurance companies. When I was working for insurance companies, we would be getting calls and emails and letters from our insurance client telling us, why haven't you resolved those claims already? We don't want to have to pay you, the lawyer, to deal with those claims. Just pay the individual and let's just shut this down because we're bleeding money. And that's what people need to understand. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. It is help at the insurance Just getting started. Lots more to go. Stick around. We'll get your emails as well. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is that number. Email anytime is help at the insurance If you haven't checked it out yet, injurycalculator.ca. That will tell you how much the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. Uh, there's lots more to it than that, but the one they can uh, narrow down to basically a calculator and a uh, and a website is the injury calculator. Again, pain and suffering for that component, injury calculator. 
uh, .ca. Savannah, what else you got going on in your docket today, man? Well, John, let's um, uh, turn to one of our websites uh, that, again, we talk about often. It's uh, mydisabilityquestions.com. And that's a website that, again, is free. Uh, People who are on long-term disability, who have questions about long-term disability or short-term disability, uh, you can post your question there, and I'll answer those questions uh, within minutes. So this question comes from Robert in Toronto, and here's what he writes. He wrote, uh, is it safe to talk with your LTD claim manager about going back to work if you are just in the early stages of thinking about it all with no concrete decision? So, you know, John, this is, this is something that comes up often. And, and, you know, here's the issue. On the one hand, you know, people should be applauded for trying to get off disability and going back to work. Mm-hmm. And, and so what they do is they talk with their doctor and figure out, you know, what can I do to go back to work? What rehab program can I participate in? You know, what accommodation will I need? How can I ease, you know, going back into work, especially when the employer yeah. is accommodating? So what, what else do they do? They talk with their case manager, the insurance adjuster. And what does the insurance adjuster hear? Unfortunately, many of them, they hear, oh, this person is well enough not to be on disability. And without mm-hmm. checking anything, without looking at any medical documents, the insurance company sometimes takes the position that, well, this person is obviously well enough to go back to work, so we're going to cut them off. So you have to be very careful in how you approach your claims manager, the insurance adjuster you are dealing with when you are on long-term disability. And one of the number one things I I will tell you uh, that you must do is if you are going to have that discussion, which is okay to have with, you know, the insurance adjuster, is you make sure that after you finish the conversation, the phone conversation, that you confirm the discussion by email so that the insurance company can't come back later and say, oh, well, when we spoke with this gentleman, he told us, you know, a month ago, two months ago, that he was well enough to go back to work. Well, you never said that, right? You said that you think you may be able to try a return to work uh, program, or, or you may try to go back with accommodation. And again, that's assuming that my doctor clears me. You want to make sure that you specifically you know, memorialize that conversation by way of an email, because if they cut you off down the road when they should not have cut you off because you were in fact not ready to go back or your doctor hasn't cleared you, you now have that email correspondence that is proof that this is in fact what you said to the adjuster, that you never said that you were able to go back. So you have to be very careful in how you deal with your insurance company when it comes to trying to go back to work. Very, very important. And the key is to always, you know, have a written record. Don't verbalize it because it's, uh, you know, he said, she said, and uh, there's never any proof. So always email or have written confirmation of all that stuff. That's absolutely true. And in fact, many people end up coming to us and calling us and emailing us in despair saying, you know, I told the adjuster that I thought I was ready, but then I spoke with my doctor. My doctor doesn't agree yet. I think I need a few more months. But in the meantime, the insurance company send them a denial letter or a cutoff letter saying we're taking you off disability. And that's when they come to us. And that's when they should come to us. And many times we can rectify the situation. We can go back to the insurance company and, again, tell them, you know, the facts are not what you state. But in fact, the facts are that this individual who thought that they were going to be able to go back is not, in fact, able to go back. And if you don't reinstate them, we're going to start a legal claim. So again, we're putting, you know, we, we, we have the firepower to make this happen, but you, you know, yeah. you, you don't want to find yourself in that position in the first place. So you have to be very careful. And also when you speak with your doctor, be very careful in what your doctor puts down uh, in a letter or even in their notes. If, if, if you can, you know, um, make sure that when you speak with your doctor, you say, you know, 
unless you really think I can go back to work, don't put that down. It's better to put down, uh, you know, that a gradual return to work or an attempt to gradually return yeah. to work is is recommended, uh, but that, you know, prognosis is guarded. I'm not telling you what to tell your doctor to say, but again, what your doctor puts down in writing could have major a major impact on your LTD claim. So be careful in what you tell your doctor and your discussions with your doctor as well as with the insurance adjuster. Can you get LTD if you suffer from fibromyalgia? I mean, fibromyalgia basically means muscle pain. So many insurance companies refer to that kind of as a, like an invisible illness. What does that mean? So invisible illness, generally speaking, essentially means that insurance companies, uh, you know, can't see it on an x-ray or an MRI. You know, right. they, they don't see it as an objective mm-hmm. type of a diagnosis. And, and I'll tell you, I mean, again, I used to work as a defense lawyer and I have many defense lawyer friends and many of them just simply, you know, quote unquote, don't buy it. They don't buy chronic pain. They right. don't buy fibromyalgia or anything like that. Look, the reality is that uh, it's nonsense to say that fibromyalgia doesn't, doesn't exist or, or, or at least the constellation of symptoms that are disabling someone from working that they don't exist. That's like saying to someone, because, because I can't see, uh, you know, with an MRI that you have a headache or that there's something wrong in your head, therefore you have no, no headaches, no migraines. Yeah. Or because I can't see that, you know, your back is broken, I don't believe that you have back pain. It's absolute nonsense to say that. In fact, if you were to Google fibromyalgia, you would see what tests are generally administered, what, what, what di- you know, the, the, the diagnoses, prognoses, treatments are, even on the Mayo Clinic's webpage. So to say that it doesn't exist is just a fallacy. It's wrong. That said, again, when you're dealing with these kinds of ailments or disabilities, and this applies also to you know, psychiatric type of disabilities and illnesses, you have to make sure that you continuously get treatments. You have to make sure that your doctors, whoever's treating you, is providing medical support for your disability, i.e. putting down on paper in a report format to the insurance company that this person is unable to work because of so-and-so. They have to really explain where the, what the symptoms are, how those symptoms uh, and, and you know limitations and impairments are in fact limiting your ability or preventing you from doing your own occupation or any occupation, depending on where you're at with your long-term disability claim. So again, these quote-unquote invisible illnesses or, inju- or injuries, they usually refer to illnesses or injuries that you know you can't really see objectively through an X-ray or an MRI. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. The email is exactly where we're going to go after we take a short break. Lots more on the way. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's Global News Radio six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't uh, gone over there yet to check it out, we'll uh, we'll take care of that and talk about that in depth as well. I'm talking about the injury calculator at injurycalculator.ca. Maybe we'll do that after we get to this uh, this email. Uh, Beth writes in says my daughter was riding her bicycle when she was hit by a car who drove cl- uh, too close to her. The driver was charged by the police, and my daughter who was fourteen was taken to hospital. This happened two weeks ago. My daughter brought. Um, broke two teeth and hit her head very hard. She was vomiting and dizzy, and the doctors are still testing her. They said that she suffered a brain injury, which is really scary. How should we deal with the driver who hit her? Extremely angry at him, of course. Uh, Well, Beth, I mean, you have every right to be angry at this driver. This is very, very unfortunate. Here's what you need to know. 
from a legal standpoint. Clearly, she's getting the medical help she needs, so that's great. Legally speaking, uh, there are two types of of, uh, insurance issues here. The first one is accident benefits. Clearly, your daughter suffered a very serious injury, a brain injury, and a whole host of other physical injuries. So she's going to need a lot of medical and rehabilitation types of treatment, some of which are covered by OHIP and some of which may not be covered by OHIP. Uh, So, you know, the accident benefits insurer, which is the insurance company that is going to be covering any non-OHIP types of treatments, is going to be covering those kinds of benefits. And again, you know, there are other types of benefits that you're entitled to get from your own insurance company or the insurance company of the driver that hits you if you don't have access to automobile policies. Those are very important to get at right now, immediately, very, very quickly after an accident. And by the way, that applies just across the board. If you're injured in a car accident as a result of another car hitting your car, or if you're a pedestrian or a cyclist, it's very important to apply for accident benefits very, very fast because many of those benefits are going to be uh, coming to you very early on. You don't have to wait for years and years. Now, Uh, The bigger type of a claim here that is also important to look at now is the claim against that driver that hit your daughter, Beth. And that driver's insurance company, trust me when I tell you, they're going to be looking at this claim very closely. As soon as an insurance company uh, is told that one of their insureds caused an injury such as this, they immediately want to start scheduling interviews with the injured person or their family members. They, they take proactive uh, steps to try and figure out what is the, the extent of the exposure here, right? In other words, how much money they think they're going to have to pay out at the end of the day. And it's extremely important that, that before this happens, that there is a lawyer involved because a lawyer can help you and your daughter navigate uh, the, the issues and the questions that are going to be coming from that insurance company in this case. Now, your daughter is underage, so to the extent that there's going to be a claim against the other driver uh, for compensation, she's going to need a litigation guardian. So again, all I'm saying is, the reason I'm explaining this is because a lot of people are under the, uh, you know, the misapprehension that you, you, just, you, know, you can do this by yourself. You don't need a lawyer to help you with this. Huh. And the reality is you definitely do, especially when you're dealing with significant injuries. There's going to be a lot of things thrown at you, multiple insurance companies who are going to be requesting a ton of documentation. And look, Beth, if your daughter's injuries are permanent, God forbid, we are talking about a potentially massive compensation claim that she's going to be entitled to, and she's going to need to help her into the future. I mean, if if her ability to work is impaired going into the future, uh, if she's going to have to stop school or her schooling is going to slow down, there is going to be a lot that has to be done here. A lot of different medical experts are going to have to be engaged. Again, this is the kind of stuff that uh, I do, that my firm does, and it's very, very important to, to have that discussion early on. And again, it doesn't cost you anything. So I always tell people, contact us. The worst that can happen is that you get this information and decide to ignore it and move on. But, but it's very important. It's a good thing that you, you, you emailed us best so that other people can understand what to do in that circumstance. And perhaps we can have uh, a, a discussion off air and specifically uh, you know, go through uh, the, the, the facts of, of the case and figure out what the next steps are. But ju- that's generally what you need to understand. If you're injured as a result of a car, uh, a car accident, whether you're a pedestrian, another motorist, uh, a cyclist, 
you know, the law is very, very complex in Ontario, and, and you have to know how to, nav- to, 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 to properly navigate it in, in, in order to make sure that the compensation you receive and your family receives is maximized. Well, Beth, you've already got the email, obviously, so the phone number to carry uh, carry through is one 9646 You did mention some compensation there, whether it's a tort claim or otherwise. Let's get into this before we uh, before we break. Uh, I mentioned it, so uh, give me some details. Injury Calculator, love this thing. So Injury Calculator is, is, is a free online uh, tool that you can just go to and you can input a few key pieces of information, such as what is the type of injury that you're inquiring about, what's your age, where did the accident happen. You don't have to put your name or contact info. This is just for informational purposes. But what this uh, this this um, uh, tool does is that it, it scans through a database of other cases across the country, across Canada, where other people who have been injured the way that you have been uh, have have litigated the claim all the way to conclusion. So we know what judges have said that their pain and suffering is worth uh, from a value standpoint, a compensation standpoint. And what this calculator does is it tells you literally in 10 or 15 seconds uh, the types of, uh, sorry, the, the, the range of compensation you could be looking at for pain and suffering. So what does that mean? It means that if you broke your, your elbow or you, you suffered a concussion or you broke your back or something you know, more serious even, uh, even in cases of fatality and death, you know, if you were to start a legal claim or your family was to start a legal claim on your behalf for compensation, what is the range? What is the dollar value range you could, you could be looking at for compensation for pain and suffering? But remember, it only deals with pain and suffering. And in many of these cases, you have a lot more uh, compensation that's owed to you. For example, what happens, John, if you know you, you broke your knee and you have a knee replacement, you know, but yeah. you were a bricklayer, and as a result of this, you can't go back to work, right? I mean, you may be entitled to fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars for your broken knee for your pain and suffering. But maybe your income loss is worth $500,000. Or maybe now you need modifications to your home that are going to cost $15,000. So every case is specific, but at least that injury calculator tool is going to allow you to get a sense of the pain and suffering component of your claim. And at the end, once you get that uh, result, if you want to have a specific consultation about your case, just click the uh, submit button and then I get the email and then we have a, a discussion about your specific case. And I can tell you, you know, what your case is, is worth, at least preliminarily, right, before looking at everything. Yep. Uh, and you can decide how you want to proceed. Again, injurycalculator.ca anytime. Email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to more of those after a short break. And the phone number, keep it with you always, one 990 to get a hold of Savannah. And the rest of the team, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, yeah, Global News Radio 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is that number again? We just talked about it, but I will give it to you once again. Injurycalculator.ca. That's where you go to find out what the pain and suffering component should be as far as a dollar amount is concerned. A range there. There's a contact button at the bottom, or otherwise you disappear anonymous and just have the knowledge on your own head, or you can carry through with Savan uh, and his team. I want to go back to LTD for a moment. So if someone is say. Um, unionized employee and they've been denied LTD disability, um, should they ask their union to fight the denial or just skip that and call you? That's an excellent question, John, because you know from uh, doing the show with my partner, Lior, the employment hour, we can't help unionized employees in an employment type of a situation. In long-term disability cases, we can oftentimes help unionized employees. What we do is we look at the collective agreement. And if the collective agreement 
uh, only superficially talks about LTD, meaning it doesn't go into it in great detail, then that means we can help the individual. But then the person asks, you know, and we've been asked that before, should we get our union to deal with this LTD issue or should we just go to you? Well, look, first of all, most times, at least this is what we've heard from people who have engaged their union, their union has no expertise in long-term disability. Their union has expertise in the employment uh, aspect of, of the relationship with the employer. And frankly, most times when you're dealing with a unionized employee, uh, and generally speaking, actually, LTD is with insurance companies. It's it's not usually with employers, right? So, right. you know, your union is not is not there, generally speaking, uh, to fight an insurance company. Your union is there, uh, theoretically at least, to protect your rights vis-a-vis your employment. And so if you're a unionized employee, but you've been cut off or, again, denied long-term disability, give us a call. Uh, we're going to get some of your details. We're going to want to take a look at that collective agreement, which oftentimes is online. So we can just, mm-hmm. you know, really quickly, w- literally within seconds, scan through it. And we can tell you if you can, you know, we can help you or not. I- I'll tell you that in the vast majority of cases, uh, probably about 80, 90% of unionized employees who have long-term disability issues, we can help them. Whereas in yeah. the employment context, you know, if you're unhappy with your employer, well, we can't help you with that. You have to go through your, un- your union. But in the LTD context, we can oftentimes help you even if you are unionized. Brad's email is up next. And Brad says, a good friend of mine was denied LTD because of a pre-existing condition. But his doctors wrote the insurer saying that he didn't have the condition they are alleging. It's clear that the adjuster is mis, uh, misinterpreting some medical notes in his file. My friend appealed this. Uh, big shock and was rejected again. Can you do anything about this to help him? Yeah, Brad. So so this is, again, excellent question. We have a lot of people contacting us where they've been denied on the basis of pre-existing condition. And, you know, pre-existing condition, again, it's one of those things that we know insurance companies love to deny claims for, not just LTD, but, you know, travel insurance. And even when you suffer an injury through a car accident, you know, insurance company will say, oh, well, you had this pre-existing condition. So very important to understand what that means. Oftentimes, insurance companies will start scanning through all of your medical documents going back several years to try and find any nuggets of information that they could latch onto to deny or reject your claim for compensation. And in fact, John, we started the show by me telling you about a mediation I had this week uh, with a gentleman that was cut off LTD uh, less than uh, half a year ago. And, and, you know, one of the arguments there was that two of the conditions he was complaining of were pre-existing. Well, guess what? We still settled that claim for six figures. So, again, the fact that the insurance company says you have a pre-existing condition doesn't necessarily mean that they are correct. Oftentimes, insurance companies would latch on to a piece of information in a medical file, and they would look at that without looking at the entire context of the medical condition. And, in fact, I've had situations where people came to me and said, look, they're saying it's a pre-existing issue. But I have my own doctor, my specialist saying, no, it's not a pre-existing issue. You had a different issue. And, you know, and, and again, you're dealing with insurance companies who are in the business of making money. And one of the ways they make money, this is just a fact, one of the ways they make money is by denying claims and cutting off people off of long-term disability when they should not be cutting them off. So, you know, excuse me for, for you know, Taking a hardline approach on them, I can tell you that having said this for years now on the radio, uh, a lot of insurance adjusters and insurance lawyers roll their eyes and, and, and don't like me for it. But then I, ca- I can also tell you that I've had people from the insurance industry contact me off the record telling me 
you know, thank you for actually putting this out there. Thank you for actually just saying the truth, the truth that really everyone knows. So again, circling back to your question, John, pre-existing conditions, sorry, not, not to you, John, to, to, to Brad for, for his email, yep. uh, you know, pre-existing conditions, if you've been denied or, or cut off LTD and that's the excuse that the insurance company gave you, don't simply buy it. Maybe it's true, but let me have a look at your medical documents. Let me have a look at the denial letter. Let me have a look at your insurance policy and I will tell you within several minutes if the insurance company has a leg to stand on or if you have a legal claim against them for compensation. Tell me a little bit about uh, fightformyltd.com because I have mentioned it a couple times so far this hour. That's another free website that we created. It's a very, very simple website and all it does is it allows you to just input just, again, five very simple key pieces of information about your specific case. That's assuming you want to know uh, if you have a case, a legal case against your insurance company uh, for cutting you off or for denying your long-term disability. You know, we create these websites because some people are just shy or they just don't feel comfortable giving us a call or emailing us uh, directly. So if you go to that website and you just answer those five simple questions about your specific case, uh, and again, it'll take you about 10 seconds to fill in the uh, the fields. I get that email and I'll tell you if I think you have a case against your insurer. And you know, John, what I find is that most people who contact us, most people contact us because they know they've been wronged by the LTD insurer. And, and all we do is we look... Uh, you know, objectively at the information they've given us and we tell them, here's where I think, uh, you know, your, 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 your case lies. You know, we, we think you have a claim here. We don't think you have a claim here. We think, you know, you have a 50-50 shot. Like, we'll tell you what, what our assessment is about the success of your case. And, you know, we're not in the business of telling you that you have a case against your insurer if, in fact, you don't have a case against your insurer. Right. I mean, reputation for us is very important. And we've built up a certain reputation in the industry. And one of the ways we've done that is is... Insurance companies know that when we start a claim, a legal claim against them, it's not because we take on every case that comes through the door. We are very selective, but at the same time, we also understand that, you know, and and are very skeptical of of the denials that insurance companies issue, you know, just routinely. Uh, So, you know, very important people to understand. If you you don't want to call us or email us, just go to that website, uh, fightformyltd.com answer those five basic questions, and we'll tell you if you have a case literally within minutes. Always a good old phone number as well, one 990 9646 and email as well, help at the Still more to go. Short break. Stick around. Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number to get a hold of Savan anytime. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And there is a third website we uh, talk about sometimes. I want to concentrate on it now because something just came through to you, and that is mydisabilityquestions.com. What, uh, what came in? So here's a question that was just literally posted a few minutes ago. Uh, this person asks, he, uh, he says, I am currently on LTD, but I'm feeling better and would like to go back to work. If I get sick again... Can I go back on uh, disability, on LTD? Uh, so the, the answer, and this is, by the way, of, again, very common question. People are concerned. What happens if I try to go back to work, but I'm unable to, right? Because, again, people don't know if they're going to be able to make it. Yep. So in the majority of LTD policies that I have seen uh, throughout my career, I can tell you that they have a provision called a, a recurrence uh, provision. What does that mean? It means that if you have a recurrence of your disability, you're unable to continue with your work, uh, generally within the first six months of trying to go back, then you should be able to go back on claim without 
having to deal with the elimination period, that waiting period, right? Because when you apply to LTD, there is usually an elimination period. There's a time frame where you have to wait. And, and as long as you are disabled during that period of time and beyond, then you would qualify. And, and, and so that's what people need to understand that, yeah, you should be able to try to go back to work so long as your doctor uh, says that it's okay. Uh, and if within um, you know a certain period of time, generally six months, you're unable to, you should be able to go back on claim. If, if for whatever reason uh, you're in that situation and you have not been able to continue working because of your disability uh, and the insurance company then says, nope, you're out of luck, we're not going to uh, you know, put you back on claim, give me a call or email me immediately. Let us look at the documents, let's look at the de- denial letter, the medical documents. Again, within minutes we will tell you if you have a legal claim. But unfortunately, that's something that insurance companies you know, I'm going to say abuse, they will often say, no, you said you were good to go back. Your doctor said that you're ready to go back. You know, we think that you should, you know, that you can, you, you can do your job. We, we don't think that, you know, you, you qualify anymore under the uh, total disability provisions of the policy. When oftentimes this is nonsense. Uh, they're simply taking advantage of the individual's uh, good faith try to go back to work and rehabilitate themselves. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. And again, what we just read from mydisabilityquestions.com. You know, we spoke in the past of surveillance that insurance companies do on disabled people. They try to find reasons to deny their claims or follow them around and film them. But uh, what about social media? Kind of a kind of a you know cautionary tale. Can insurance companies look at a person's Facebook profile, say for example, and can be a reason to deny a disability claim? Yeah, absolutely. They do this all the time. This is something people need to understand. Insurance companies. Uh, you know, they'll use everything uh, in their toolbox to deny your claim. And, and that extends to the defense lawyers that they hire. Again, I'm talking from experience as someone who used to be a defense lawyer. So, you know, you have to make sure that you're very cognizant of what you post. And listen, I'm not social media savvy at all, but I have seen, uh, you know, social media posts, whether it's on Facebook or, or Instagram or, you know, even even on LinkedIn, you know, I, I have seen posts that have sunk cases because people say certain things and they don't say it because they are trying to mislead the insurance company. They're saying it because, look, when you're posting something on Facebook, generally speaking, you want to post something that's happy, something where positive, you're yeah. positive. You've been on vacation. Uh, things are happening with your kids. You, you've attended the function. You, you know, you have photos that you put on, you know, that, that have everyone smiling, have you smiling. Be careful. If you have a claim, whether it's an injury claim or a disability claim, and you've put on photographs and videos uploaded you know, to, to, to those social media uh, platforms that can potentially be interpreted as, well, this person doesn't look disabled. Okay, I'm, I'm putting the word look in quotes. doesn't look yep. disabled. That is a recipe for disaster because I can tell you right now, as a fact, insurance companies are scanning social media to figure out if there's anything in there that they can use uh, against you. So be very, very cognizant of that. And some people who ignore that advice do it at their own peril. And I'll tell you, I've had cases, people that I've represented that I've known are injured and are disabled, that I've told them that that post that they posted a month ago just reduced their claims value by tens of thousands of dollars. Because it doesn't matter what the truth is at the end of the day, if it looks like, you know, to, to, to a third party, you know, like a, like a judge eventually, if it looks as though that person is in fact not disabled, if it looks like, you know, they're yeah. le- you know, leading a normal life, 
it can be very damaging. Remember, people make decisions oftentimes based on perceptions. And if they have a doctor saying one thing and then they see a photograph or a video that seems to contradict what that doctor is saying, people will believe what they see. That's just natural human behavior. So be very, very careful of that. Well, I know many times where it's taken the wrong way in in cases that you've dealt with is not so much physical injuries, but if they're of the uh, psychological or mental nature, I mean, sometimes the doctor's advice is to get out there and part of your therapy is to do positive things and get out and go for a walk and socialize with people, go have a, you know, a drink at a a pub or a sandwich and meet people. So that ends up on Facebook and that stuff gets taken all the wrong way. Meanwhile, it's, it's what they should be doing through doctor's advice, right? That's exactly true. That's exactly true. In fact, you have a lot of times doctors, family doctors, especially saying, listen, you want to get better, you have to get active uh, for a variety of reasons, whether it's uh, because you have to better your physical health and through that your mental health or, uh, you know, perhaps you need to go to the gym uh, to do some physical therapy, I mean, exercise equipments. And then, of course, you know, uh, you have the insurance company either getting surveillance or someone's taking a photograph of you of you, or, or, you know, maybe you've taken a photograph of, of, of yourself. Uh, you know, d- doing something like that. And meanwhile, that was on the basis of the, insur- the, the, the doctor's advice. But again, it's how it gets interpreted. You yeah. always have to be cognizant of how the outside world is looking at you. And by the outside world, I mean, not just family and friends, but potential third parties here, whether they are surveillance operators or insurance adjusters or defense lawyers, you just have to be careful. You got to use common sense. You can have the best case in the world, but if the person who is, you know, adjudicating your claim uh, is looking at a photograph of you looking happy, that could, you know, potentially sour the the, the value of your claim. I mean, it's just a reality. Yeah, I'm telling you it. this as someone, yeah, who worked, uh, you know, for the insurance industry. I'm not saying that the insurance lawyers and the adjusters believe that the person is not disabled. You can have an adjuster who thinks to himself or herself, yeah, I believe this person is disabled. But because I got that photograph of them dancing or laughing or whatever, I, I'm going to use that because I'm going to use that you know, to advance my client's interests. And you have to understand that they're going to do that. So be very careful. On the other hand, if you are caught in that kind of a situation, again, I would tell you, don't just give up. Maybe there are ways to remedy that. Maybe there are ways to mitigate the damage that's been done. Sure. And we've been able to do that before. So again, we can talk about your specific situation, but... Again, you don't want to be there if you don't have to. Still got time for some email. After a short break and maybe another question or two, we'll get to that in the meantime. The number, one 9646 to get a hold of Savant's team. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email. Lots more coming up. We'll, uh, we'll take a short break and be right back at it. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. That is the number. The email is help at the insurancelawyer.ca. If you've not figured out what the pain and suffering component of a claim should be, you have no idea. A good place to start is injurycalculator.ca. It will give you that pain and suffering component. There could be more, a lot more behind that, but that'll give you a baseline number. And there's a contact button at the bottom to get a hold of Savannah if you so choose. Uh, email Steve says, uh, I've been in the construction industry for over 20 years. Last year while playing soccer, I fell and broke my right ankle. I had two surgeries on it, but I'm still not walking right, and I haven't been able to go back to work. It's been really hard, and I'm also taking anxiety meds. Uh, my long-term disability insurer says that I should be better by now. And they want to help me find another job, but I just don't know how to do anything else. All my life, I was in construction. I'm 54 years old. I'm afraid that they're going to uh, cut me off, and then I'll have no money coming in. Help. 
Well, Steve, it's a good thing that you've contacted us before you've been uh, uh, denied. Uh, I mean, look, whenever you are on LTD and the adjuster tells you that they think that you should be better by now, first of all, I question why they say that. I mean, did, did they have Steve seen by one of their doctors who had given that opinion? No. I mean, I would still be questioning that because, you know, how can that doctor who had potentially only seen him once, or maybe not at all, maybe just reviewed some documents, make that kind of a decision? Uh, but, you know, oftentimes adjusters will tell disabled individuals, I think that you should be back to work by now. I mean, that's just a ludicrous statement to make if the doctors who are treating the individual who's disabled are saying, no, this person is unable to go back. And look, John, in Steve's case, you're dealing with a guy who has an objective injury here, right? He broke his ankle. And as a result, of course, as a result of, of not working in his disability, he now has psychological issues, anxiety. He's taking medications for those things. You know, so it's going to be difficult for the insurance companies to cut him off this ability to say that he can do something else, given his age, given his limited education, given the injury that he suffered. But I can tell you, John, I'm forecasting it right now. I'm predicting it. I'm going to put money on it that they're going to do it anyways because they don't care. And why don't they care? Because they know that a large percentage of the claims that insurance companies deny, uh, these individuals just walk off. They walk away. They simply walk playing away. The odds. They're playing the odds. And the ones yeah. that don't walk away try to appeal those decisions. You know, I mean, we've, I think we've had another email where somebody said that they tried to appeal uh, a, a denial and, and you know, it, it got them nowhere. Again, those types of appeals and, and, you know, these types of processes established by the insurance company are established in order to frustrate you. Rarely do they work. Do they work sometimes? Yes, in rare circumstances, in our experience. So, Steve, my advice to you is, uh, you know, make sure you document your conversation with the adjuster. Uh, just make sure that you just email back to the adjuster after every discussion on the phone, what was said, what you said. Make sure that your doctors continue to provide reports that support you being off work. And even if there is a hint, if the adjuster says, you know, we're considering whether or not to cut you off, you make sure that you involve us immediately because oftentimes... If we get into the picture before you are in fact cut off, we can uh, you know, discuss with the insurance company the consequences of them taking that kind of an extreme measure. Because what we tell them is that if you take that extreme measure, then that's going to be met with an extreme measure from our client, which means we are going to yeah. start a legal claim against you immediately. And insurance companies, again, don't like that. As soon as they see a lawyer on the other side who deals with long-term disability, they understand that that's now going to cost them money. They don't like that. They don't want to lose money. They want to make money. It's a very simple equation. So my advice, Steve, just be vigilant. It's a good thing you emailed us. Document everything and get your doctors to continue providing reports about your disability for as long as you need to. Steve, that number, by the way, I know you sent an email already, but one 990 is a number to get a hold of Savan and his team. Finally, got a couple minutes till we wrap it up today. I will ask you this, and I know you get this question. Do people ask you what percentage of cases you take on you win, and then what do you tell them when they ask about your success? Yeah, that, that's they do, and, and I don't blame them for it. Um, I, you know, I think that a lot of people are under the impression that you know it's a black and white type of a situation. Look, when we take on a case, we take on a case because we believe in that case. And we take on a case because we think that the person has been wronged. It's just that simple. I mean, once we take on the case, as far as we're concerned, this is our case, meaning that I, I, you know, I'm not a disabled person. I'm not their family. 
but I, I, I become almost as angry as my client towards the insurance company. Now, that does not mean that you know I'm, I'm going to act unprofessionally, but it means that I'm going to throw everything I have, all of my firm's resources and power and money and time fighting the insurance company, which is why we get results. But that also means that we have to be selective. And by selective, I don't mean that we don't take on cases that have low value. That's not what I mean. I mean, we take on cases where I think legitimately that the person has been wronged. So if you ask me how many cases do I win, if you ask me essentially in how many instances do we get a resolution that I think is fair for our clients, I'll probably tell you it's in the 98, 99%. Why? Because we just don't back off. We're like, you know, dogs with a bone. If our client has been wronged, we're going to go all the way or, or at least as long as, you know, our client instructs us, you know, to do so. So, so, and again, that's, that's also part of sort of the, the persona we've built with insurance companies. You know, when I did insur- uh, insurance defense work, I was working for insurance companies, we would know which are the lawyers that take every case that comes to them, which are the lawyers that are selective, which are the lawyers with experience, we would know. So for us, when we started our firm years and years ago, it was very important for us to develop a reputation that would be respected within the, 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 the fields that, that we're in, which is employment and disability. And I think we've done that, and I think that's reflected in the types of settlements that we get for our clients. We'll take it from there for another week. Uh, you want to get a hold of Savan and his team, one 990 Email again, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And if you haven't checked it out already, find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. Give you a baseline number. Move on from there, injurycalculator.ca. As well, Till next time, this has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.